Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly podcast about the Swift programming language and other projects at swift.org. I'm Jesse Squires. And I'm JP Samard. Today we have a sponsor. We'd like to thank Bitrise from sponsoring this episode. Bitrise is a mobile continuous integration and delivery platform that provides services for your whole team. They have dozens of integrations for all of your favorite services. They have uh, new features. They have... uh, Features that relate to builds, tests, deployment. Uh, They have their automatic platform. Uh, They have virtual device testing. And they're also hiring. So if you're looking for work uh, and you want to empower uh, thousands of devs to improve their continuous integration and development experience, uh, you should check them out. Uh, But otherwise, if you want to use their service, they have all sorts of great features specifically for iOS. Uh, They have things like automatic provisioning profile management. So if uh, you've ever fought with CI before trying to get it to automatically sign your apps, this is for you. They have 60% faster builds with their recursive touch technology. So all of these are worth checking out at bitrise.io. So go over there and tell them that we sent us. Thanks to Bitrise for sponsoring the show. All right, so today we're talking about uh, random unification, which is not uh, some uh, random unifying, but uh, the unifying of the random APIs in Swift. That's right. If you've ever had uh, uh, a sprinkling of OS checks when trying to write code that leveraged random number generation in your Swift code, uh, this is for you. Random unification is also the name of Apple's next operating system that combines macOS and iOS. Forget marzipan. Yeah. We're just combining all the OSs. Yeah, really though. Um, Yeah, this is a nice proposal to kind of clean things up, um, conceal some of these implementation details from the user while also providing um, more secure um, random number generators. Right, so... Why is the existing approach uh, suboptimal, right? Why is it insecure? Why um, is it uh, awkward to use? Yeah, first you have all of these platform checks that you mentioned. So you have this kind of inconsistency. Um, So why do we need platform checks when you're generating random numbers? Ah, because uh, different platforms provide different primitives for doing this. So Linux is different from Darwin, is different from uh, Windows. Actually, I don't even know what Windows does for uh, all of this. I think it's outlined in here, though. Right. Um, But this just focuses on Linux and Darwin, since those are the only two like officially supported platforms. Well, there are notes here about how um, Android, Sigwin, Fuchsia, and Windows uh, could be implemented in order to provide this API. Right, right. And that is like, if you look at the implementation, um, those are accounted for. But, you know, because you have all those like if OS checks. But I think, you know, those are things that are maintained by the community. Um, So, 
that is interesting, actually. I mean, I, I don't really know kind of where that stuff stands because it's not like an official thing, but it is being implemented for this. Um, uh, what do you mean? You mean the, the primitives that the OSs provide? No, no, no. Just providing like um, explicit support for platforms that are not, oh, right. quote, official platforms uh, for Swift. Yeah, that's a good question. So like, um, you know, Swift CI doesn't produce Windows builds or Fuchsia builds. Right. Um, so there's th- that in that sense, there are no automated tests that mm-hmm. are automatically run to make sure that you know nothing breaks on those platforms. So yeah, I guess it's really up to um, the stewards of those platforms to make sure that Swift continues to work well. Right. I don't know. Maybe we'll see uh, when Swift for TensorFlow comes out. We'll see that they have their own public CI for things like building on Fuchsia. Oh, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, or you know, at the very least, they might have something like that internally to make sure that it continues building for TPU or TPMs. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, this is like a, I guess, a specific question for this proposal, but also more broadly, um, just kind of how that uh, how that works with the community and uh, really every Swift feature moving forward. Right. And so like for concrete examples, if you were trying to get random numbers um, across Linux and Darwin, um, well, you can't use arc for random uh, on Linux, right? right? Because that's a Darwin implementation. And then on Linux, well, you have srandom to seed the random function, which you know, isn't strictly necessary if you're using arc for random. So not only do they do they have different function calls, but they also have different usage patterns. Um, and not only that, but uh, when it comes to their um, uh, random distribution and the source of their random number generator and their level of security and what ciphers they use, there's also wide variance there, not just across platforms, but even across different versions of platforms. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, like previously, uh, ARC4 random was implemented using the RC4 algorithm. Uh, let's see, when was that? Uh, Pre Mac OS 10.12. Um, after that, it was replaced uh, with the AES cipher. Yes, with the AES cipher. So you even have those differences and this proposal outlines that you will do different things on macOS pre-10.12. Um, post-10.12, you'll use the refined arc4 random to avoid this known uh, vulnerability. But what about Linux? Right, so on Linux, uh, this also depends on both the kernel version and the version of uh, glibc that's available, uh, which do you pronounce that glibc? I hope not. Uh, so let's call that glibc. Um, so if you're uh, either on a Linux kernel that's less than 3.17 or a glibc version that's less than 2.25, then this API will read from uh, dev urandom, which is one of the uh, Linux kernel provided um, sources of random numbers. Uh, otherwise, there is get random, which is part of the glibc that requires uh, 3.17 to, to function in the way that this needs. And so this all, all, all again is is to provide kind of the most performant source of random numbers that would match the uh, 
requirements that this API wants to provide because mm -hmm. we want to get a uniform distribution of values across OSs. Right, and a secure uh, generator. Right. right. Yeah. Right, so on uh, Mac OS less than uh, 10.12, the implementation will use um, the security frameworks sec random copy bytes in order to generate its its entropy. Yeah, so the uh, the main API here is to um, have a protocol, a random number generator uh, protocol, and then provide a uh, struct in the standard library that has some default functionality. So this will allow uh, users to uh, just use those defaults, or you can opt for uh, writing your own random number generator and then plugging that into anything else in the standard library that accepts that protocol, which is pretty nice. Right, and looking at the um, at the API surface here, the random number generator protocol only has a single uh, required member, and that's the next function that would return an unsigned 64-bit uh, int, so a uint64. And um, at first glance, uh, this seemed to be um, suboptimal because... Um, the purpose of this API, actually there are several APIs that are being proposed here. We'll get to the others later, like their collection editions uh, as well. Um, but uh, the purpose of this API is to return random numbers that um, either have a bound or they're on different types. Like you could even return a random bool or a random like float 80, right? So it could be floating point, could be finite integers, um, could be booleans, could be custom types, etc. And so the fact that this protocol only returns uh, UN64 and not, for example, an associated type with the protocol seemed a little odd. But now looking, looking at this a little more closely, it looks like the, the default random number generator can provide an implementation for this next returning UN64, but can also provide a specialized next that's um, fixed with integer, an unsigned integer, in order to avoid unnecessary work when you're generating uh, any sort of type that's an int that is less than the full 64-bit uh, breadth of values that could be calculated, right? So instead mm -hmm. of calculating that whole surface area, uh, might as well save some work and just do it for the size that you're actually requiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, still, there's still an open question, I guess, about float 80 and how that fits into this whole story. Uh, but no one uses float 80 anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's uh, unsupported in a number of ways. Although you'd probably get support here, you would just kind of get the 64-bit value probably mapped to the 80 bits uh, of float 80. Mm -hmm. um, so this is odd w w why there is a specialization for fixed-width integer, but not, um, but not for floating points. You know, uh, a while back when we talked about uh, floating point numbers, and we discussed float 80 briefly. Daniel Dunbar uh, mentioned on Twitter like some of the reasons that float 80 exists because that was, we were both kind of like, why do you even really want this? Um, and if I recall correctly, it was basically some baggage with like x86 architectures that have this thing. And so I wonder if. It's even something that is like widely supported. And so perhaps maybe that is why it can't be 
considered here if this is supposed to be kind of this um, unifying across all platforms, if not all platforms have a float AD. Yeah, I think the the motivation for supporting it, if I recall correctly, was just that uh, LVM had an intrinsic type yeah. um, that was float AD. Mm-hmm. And so all of the types that, all the primitives that LVM provided, uh, Swift provides an equivalent. Right. Right, but it's like, why does LLVM provide that? Yeah, right. and, that's, and that's a good question for sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think it's because of, yeah, certain processor architectures do support this. Apparently, it's a pretty ugly hack, but I really don't know the uh, details. Right. I do know Daniel is very displeased with the existence of Flow 80, though. So <laughs> so uh, you can expect to see a Swift Evolution proposal soon, <laughs> deprecating all 80-bit types. Right. So there's a number of other uh, APIs that are provided here beyond um, the random number generator protocol and the random uh, struct that's provided by the standard library. Yeah, I really like this. I, You know, when I first saw the title... Um, in like initial description of this proposal, I thought, oh, this is just a replacement for Arc4 Random, essentially, and like some unifying for platforms. But it actually, I really like how it um, really extends across the entire standard library to have all these additions for getting random ranges or random elements out of a collection. Yeah, I'm I'm a little torn on it, right? Um so there's multiple ways to get a random value of integers in a range, for example. You mm-hmm. could do um you can do int dot random from two. Um I I think those are the parameters. Right. Uh, but then that would return uh and then you can also do like random in range. Um but then that would return uh that would return an optional. Yeah, one of would these it? returns an optional. No, no. So that doesn't return an optional. But then the one on range, where you have range dot random, uh, would return an optional. I think it's c- kind of hard to see, like trying to scan through all these APIs. Yeah, yeah. range dot random returns an optional. Right. Um, and so I kind of dislike having multiple ways to do this here. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But uh, I can definitely see how useful it can be to, um, you know, sometimes have that optionality and sometimes not, depending on, you know, what's guaranteed to uh, to exist. Uh, and then there's other APIs uh, such as on collection. Uh, so, for example, uh, you'd be able to pick out a random array of elements out of a collection, but that API is just called that function is just called random, and Mm-hmm. That seems um, a little odd to me, just like in terms of naming, right? Yeah, the uh, there is discussion at the end, um, and so the uh, alternative would have been random element. Uh, but the author, I mean, and I think this is a pretty good argument. You know, we have first and last min and max, which aren't first element, last element, min element, max element, and yeah. that was the the justification for. Uh, the naming in that way, but um, yeah, maybe there's something slightly different about random that feels a bit strange. There, there probably isn't. This is probably just uh, just me being odd, um, 
because the rationale definitely makes sense, but it still seemed uh, out of place to me when I when I saw random. But it's it's probably just me. Yeah. Oh, because I can't rationalize it, and the right. rationale for why it is that makes yeah. total sense. Right. So I just have right. to get used to it. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and then uh, similarly, there are new shuffled methods on sequence and mutable collection. Um, so you can say myarray.shuffle um, to mix up those elements, uh, which is cool. Um, I think uh, there's certainly some clear use cases for that, which people just have to write by hand now. So, uh, which may not be a very optimal algorithm to shuffle a collection. Right. And then there's um, there's a whole talk of uh, modulo bias, which which occurs if um, you're getting you know an unbounded random value, and then you um, you want to limit it to a given range, and so you perform a modulo operation on on the length of that range, right? Uh, and then you map that from the start of the range, but that um, that introduces modulo bias, which I don't actually know what that means, but a good random algorithm can can avoid that given uh, a knowledge of uh, the range that you want the number from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is um, describing the fact that <clears throat> with modulo, you can't get a uniform distribution. Um, it's skewed in some way because of that operation. Yeah, I, I guess I... I don't know enough about the number theory involved here to kind sure. of understand why is right. all I'm saying. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then so sh uh, shuffle or, or shuffled, right? So shuffle mm -hmm. would be an extension on uh, mutable collection where do an in-place shuffle. Yep. Um, so I, I, I get that. And then sequence could have um, a method called shuffled that would return an array of uh, that sequence uh, reshuffled. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess this would uh, this would produce a random number generator uh, of returning integer values that's bounded in the range of the count of the collection. Uh, yes. And I then it would so. basically return the items at those indices. Mm hmm But then, and then have some logic to not, to kind of remove duplicate values, I suppose. Or maybe it would call a random call for an incre uh, a continuously decreasing range. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, say you have five elements. Right. It would... Call random once to get um, a random number from zero to four, mm -hmm. and then use that index. And then the next time around, it would call a random number from zero to three, mm -hmm. zero to two, zero to one, zero to zero, uh, and then return the element that's that's left in the original collection there. But then you kind of need an intermediate representation of it, like an intermediate array where you're popping elements off. Right, right. I don't know. There, there must be a more efficient implementation, but I guess that could probably be a naive like first pass. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how that might work. But the good news is users will no longer have to think about that. That's right. They can just use the, the new standard library function. Um, 
And then there's also the question of, you know, why um, is this required to be a secure implementation, right? Like, why does this need to be uh, a secure cipher? Mm -hmm. um, and why, say, like the previous RC4 implementation of ARC4 random uh, is, just doesn't cut it. Yeah, and the discussion here, it mentions that Swift is a, quote, safe language, and thus this should be a cryptographically secure for these random number generators. Although I kind of, I take some issue with that statement, actually, because I think the whole slogan about Swift being a safe language is often misused and misunderstood. I think that really refers to memory safety in Swift. Um, and so it, that argument is kind of broadening that definition beyond what I think its original intent was. I don't think this kind of, um, these like secure random number generator algor al algorithms really have anything to do with the safety of Swift personally. Yeah. I think I'm I'm generally in favor of kind of having uh the safety that Swift is uh, known for, like the safety that defines Swift's um philosophy mm -hmm. to evolve over time. Sure. And I kind of see like Swift's safety being um an evolving topic, mm -hmm. right? Where like the first version of Swift tried to be safe in like a number of ways, like type safety and memory safety. Mm -hmm. But as Swift evolves, that safety um, widens to encompass other aspects of programming. Sure. And we're seeing this with the law of exclusivity and uh, the ownership manifesto and safety also meaning um, like preventing data races, mm -hmm. which isn't really a concept that was synonymous with Swift's safety up until now, right? Mm -hmm. And so I see safety as as just being, it's okay for it to be a nebulous concept. Just Swift aims to help developers write safe code, sure. whatever that means. And over time, as we can focus on more areas, we can enlarge what that means. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, so this is, I guess, a step in that direction to broaden the scope of what that actually means. Certainly. Yeah. Although I'd argue that the uh, the memory ownership and exclusivity thing is still like very memory related. Yes. Um, but uh, you're right with data races, thread safety stuff, um, potentially like the async await. Right. Uh, concurrency model. Yeah. Yeah. The concurrency model coming up. Um, yeah. It all broadens that idea of safety in Swift. Yeah, which I'm very much in in favor of, especially as you know machines yeah. get faster and right. um, leveraging a secure cipher uh, really shouldn't like you know, slow down your application terribly. And if it does, then like you're probably in a position where you can probably roll your own unsafe, uh, but more performant in some cases, um, random number generator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I think I'm in favor of like for example not having an insecure equivalent to random. Yeah, uh, unsafe random number generator. Right, maybe that'll come later, Yeah, uh, but I, I don't see that as being a need for now. Yeah, agreed. 
All right, I think that's all we have for today. Thanks again to uh, BitRise for sponsoring. You can find them at bitrise.io. You can find the show at Swift underscore Unwrapped on Twitter. You can find me at Jesse underscore Squires. You'll find me at SimJP on Twitter. And if you enjoy the show, please do leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.